Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of the Comedy Bureau Field Report. The Comedy Bureau Field Report is a member of the Believe Podcast family. That's the reason why in your podcast platform it says Believe in the Comedy Bureau Field Report. Uh, I would not tell you to place your faith in a podcast and then also misspell the word believe. That's just up to them, not me. They're the, one that, the ones that get me ad reads sometimes. Anyways, on to uh, my guest this week. Uh, illustrious as always. I mean, it's the perfect word, right? Um, the self-proclaimed uh, number one Zoom comedy performer, but also <laughs> you have seen him all over network TV, cable TV, uh, and obviously the internet. Morgan J, everybody. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Yeah! <laughs> What's going on? Hey, man. Already number one intro <laughs> well a self-designed intro for a guest no one's had a music drop and uh oh, auto tune yeah this is the morgan j music drop here on the podcast yeah oh, oh. <laughs> that's great man how you yeah. doing sorry <laughs> oh don't apologize feel free to do that whenever oh man well it's gonna be here man thanks for having me on yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, how are you doing? How's quarantine? Um, what's going on? Uh, quarantine is good. I have managed to keep busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been, you know, this the, this last fourth quarter of the year, you know, these last three months have been exceptional. Wow. And, uh, like, as far as like, you know, finance, financial, right? like financially with like, gigging and shows and yeah uh opposite fir- to almost everyone else well you know i think we, we could talk about it but i think everybody's doing what i think makes them comfortable during the quarantine i know early on it was uh, i think the the right around march i kind of leaned in really hard to trying to make try content mm-hmm. and then i sort of switched to music but all throughout that thing i was leaning pretty hard into live streaming um okay. and uh i feel like i've kind of I think like any other art form, I've learned the medium and I'm, I'm pretty good at it and I'm still getting better at the medium. You right. know what I mean? So I feel pretty You good. realize that it's different, which a lot of people I think had, took a lot longer to figure out. Yeah. I think, you know, I went to theater school and I think that one of the biggest words of advice they gave us was like, you know, you performing for a thousand seat theater and a hundred seat room is very different, you know, and it's just sort of the same concept. You know, we're not performing at a club anymore. We're just performing here. Right. And I, and I think you just have to like, you know, and I, when I said here, I, I pointed to the camera cause we're zooming right now, but for right. people listening, yeah. you know, uh, you're, you're performing in a, you know, it's a little 16 by nine box on a computer and right. you got to figure out what are you going to have to deal with, uh, for these shows and the distractions, like anything else. So you just learn how to deal with it. Right. We'll get deeper into it later, but what was Definitely. like the sort of the main things you figured out when you started like really clicking on zoom uh you know don't be afraid of silence on zoom Mm -hmm. uh and don't be afraid if you don't see people laughing you know i think the thing the thing i would liken it to is it's like a writer's room you know 
And uh, if you can just do your set, do your material, mm-hmm. you know, and just get out of there. That's all you got to do. Don't, don't try not to like stake too much personal ev- in, investment and emotion into it because right. at the end of the day, the people who are watching you, they don't want to be watching you on a zoom call either. Right. Like none of us, like, you know, the, the shared thing we have is nobody, none of us want to be here on a zoom call. <laughs> yeah, you know, but, so I think we, I think everybody gets a lot of slack. I give the audience slack and I give myself slack. So you can't be too hard on yourself. Yeah, especially for the fact that like, I mean, it is such a different medium, not only for the performer, but for the audience where like the audience wouldn't be cooking at a show or taking a a show or any- I mean, right off the bat, I'll tell you one of the first, one of the first handful of Zoom shows I did, there was a woman leasing a car in the middle of it. What? How'd you- Yeah, she was was at a dealership like, and she was on Zoom on her phone. And I guess she had (laughs) signed up for this event uh-huh. It was for Yelp, and uh, I I like to I ran with it, and I was like, "Well, put the guy on the phone. Let's see if we can negotiate for you. I'm gonna negotiate for you, you know." So you just find ways to to work with it, you know. Right. You can't, again, you, that's exactly why you can't take it personally. Yeah, absolutely, because they they're not you know investing uh, a lot of emotion into it. Either. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, I'm glad we had some fun things to talk about. Oh yeah, man. Um, that's, I'm glad that's all worked out and we will get into that more Definitely. later. I just want to get through some news items as I do every week. And then we'll, uh, I want to hear all about how you've really made quarantine and zoom comedy work for you. Um, yeah, man. where, you know, some people are still purists about it. I get it. Yeah, I get it. But also, you know, what, what are you going to do in the meantime? That's what I've been saying, man. Yeah, I am. Um, big news that just broke just a few hours ago. Conan O'Brien is not going to be a late night talk show host anymore uh, as of 2021. Um, he just announced that he will, in June 2021, will end uh, Conan on TBS and then we'll move on to a weekly variety series on HBO Max, as well as continuing his travel specials, uh, Conan Without Borders, at TBS. Um, I actually kind of like this a lot. I think one of a lot of the best elements of Conan are going to survive and live on, like him doing sketches and remote segments and traveling. Yeah, his field pieces were always fantastic. You know. Yeah, I mean, he's just one of those people that you can put in a room, no matter what it is, without really much of a premise, and then just yeah, yeah. This story was interesting to me because I, um, when I was in college, I interned uh at late night with conan o'brien right oh, wow. at the, right at the transition so i was at conan for two months mm-hmm. from like the end of december till february february 22nd was the last day there right i remember that because i was a huge conan fan i was like not to say i'm not i'm just saying like I, at the time in college i was watching it every night i had applied to intern there twice Right. The second time I got it, it's because I submitted a poem. About how oh, really? Oh yeah, like it included l- l- the the band. It included, yeah. So I submitted a poem, and um, and so I remember the transition from from late night with Conan to late night with Fallon. Oh wow! And it was very interesting. You know, mm-hmm. you could tell that Conan O'Brien was very very tired. Yeah. Because he had been spending. Not only was he ending the show, but he was meeting with affiliates from every like part of the country that haven't you know nbc affiliates Mm -hmm. so the the guy was just like exhausted and probably emotionally tired but it was it was it was interesting to see them clearing it out got some good goodies yeah 
Well, what was that transition? Well, that's interesting that they kept you at late night and rather than, I mean, I guess, you know, him. Right. I, I thought it was interesting too. I thought they, I thought they would just like let us go. Yeah. But no, we transitioned over. They, they hired a new stock of interns to, right. in, in addition to us. Uh-huh. Um, but I know what, it was really cool. And Jimmy Fallon was super nice. I'll say yeah. this about the show at, at late night. The rehearsals were always funnier than the actual show. Like Jimmy I Fallon is such a talent. He's such a talent. And like at rehearsals, he would really just go off and be silly and funny. Right. You know? I Because I remember watching the first episode of Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. And one of their games was Lick It for 10. Do you remember that, Morgan? Yes, I do. There was a yeah. lot of stuff that they did early on that they did not carry out, like carry yeah. on, but a lot of Yeah, stuff. because it, it wasn't even like they made some made you lick something gross. It would be like, lick a brand new, never before used printer. Mm-hmm. And people would be like, okay. <laughs> well, you know, that show, specifically, I remember what was different about it is what the, the executive producer on that show was coming from G4 TV. Mm-hmm. So their whole thing, and you could tell right off the bat, I mean, they were the first person, I feel like, to incorporate Twitter into their show. Right. Right. So they had like hashtag thir- Thursdays, you know, right. which I thought was super smart. So they had this technology guy come over to the show just to give it a different feel. Like it definitely had a whole different feel than uh, right. the other shows did, you know. So. And how much longer did you stay there or, or like where, uh, where'd you go? From? Yeah, it was full. It was the full semester. You know, it was my last semester of college. It was instead of, cause I was at theater school there. So instead of going to theater school, the last semester, I did that internship. Yeah. Uh, because I know that I, I, at the time I really was interested in working at late mm-hmm. night or a show like that. Right. After working there, I realized I did not want a job like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think a lot of comedians, they, they, that's like the dream being a late night host or right. writing on a show like that. But, right. you know, my whole thing with be, doing stand up and music comedy and just being a, a live performer was I didn't want to sit at a desk for, you know. Right. And that, that job is like very much sitting at a desk. Oh, yeah. All day. Oh, yeah. Long hours. So, yep. I, you know, uh, so I learned a lot. From, yeah, from, from that it process. almost would seem as if Conan also realized that. Oh yeah, I think a lot of those people, they do, yeah. I mean, it's a Pope job. Who's I forget who said that. I think Colbert might have said that. It's a Pope. That job. sounds like a Colbert comment. Yeah, it's a Pope. Yeah, because he is isn't he Catholic or is he? Yeah, he, well, he's Catholic. Catholic. yeah, yeah. Famous. Yeah, it's a Pope job. It's like a yeah. lifetime job until yeah. you decide you don't want to do it anymore. You know. Yeah. Or in, un, until NBC, it's like, their ratings aren't good, so we're going to have Jay Leno come back. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, God, man. we That'll never be lived down, ever. Oh, my goodness. What a debacle. It was such a debacle. I'll never forget that Conan encouraged everybody to not be satiric, uh, not be cynical. Cynical? Yeah. yeah. And yet, I mean, he had every right to be, uh, for sure. Dude, uh, that would have because it was his dream to do that show. And you could just, it was. Like, just, just the way they were going to like, give him a half hour spot. And then he was like, I don't feel right about this. He was like, I don't want to do a half hour late. This is ridiculous. Right. And I mean, I don't know what the, you know, with the conversations that they had, like Conan trying to translate to an earlier hour, but it was a different show that I, it wasn't Mm -hmm. Conan to me anymore. It wasn't. Yeah. They really kind of cleaned it up for those. I just was, for me, it was like, how much difference can an hour really make? Yep. You know what I mean? But I guess when you look at like some time zones, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it makes a difference, you know? Yeah. But then you even wonder like so many, I, I, I don't know the percentages, but I imagine so much of late night now is 
consumed on YouTube clips? Uh, what a thousand percent, you know, and we'll, maybe we'll talk about this also when we talk about zoom comedy, Yeah, you know, these comedians are used, these hosts are used to talking into a camera. So transitioning mm -hmm. to zoom or streaming or internet or YouTube clips doesn't seem like a far fetched or jump for them. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, for us co comedians who've done late night spots or TV appearances, that's yeah. a big jump. That's like a very scary jump. And I, I learned that last year because I know we, I know a lot of comics, we see other people's late night sets and we're like, gosh, it's not as like, normally it's like not as funny as you normally is, you know, right. but there, there's so much going on that mm -hmm. you have to deal with. Like we're getting off t topic, but right. the point being is uh, it, YouTube is a, I feel like a natural progression for them. Right. Well, we, we'll uh, we'll get in that more later, I get because I definitely want to hear all about that again. Yeah. again. Um, second news item: um, Keegan Michael Key has uh, co-written and will be narrating an Audible audio series called "The History of Sketch Comedy," um, due out uh, next year as well. Um, it will follow the entire history of sketch comedy dating back to the like 16th century all the way to now, um, which I think uh, is long overdue. I feel like yeah. sketch comedy has only been, you know, if we're looking back at it, like SNL gets talked about a lot, kids yeah, tell a little bit, but other than that. You can go back as far as Shakespeare. I mean, I, I just studied classical Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. And it's like for those comedies, you know, mm -hmm. there's beats, there's moments that right. you had to hit in these little scenes, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think it's cool that he's going to do that because I think there's a lot to be learned. I mean, I think stand st sketch came before stand up, really. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yep. I mean, yeah, when you look back at, I mean, you know, there are roots in improv with Commedia dell'arte, but definitely when it comes to Shakespeare's comedies. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you could break a lot of those little scenes down into, you know, sort of sketch. Mode. Did you do like uh, the Tempest or something when you were in? Yeah, I, mean, I did a couple of, uh, did a couple. We did a, what did I do? Cymbeline, mm -hmm. the Tempest. I did a scene from that. I did, uh, God, I, I think night. I did Twelfth Night or Much okay. Ado About Nothing. That was, those were like really hard classes. Those mm -hmm. were hard because you, a lot of memorizing, a lot of like, translating the right. thing was once you kind of learned what it was especially for the comedies mm -hmm. like the shakespeare was super dirty oh like, yeah a lot of sexual innuendos oh yeah a lot of stuff was really silly and funny and like his timing for was really on point you mm -hmm. know when you really delve deep so right. you know the guy originated a lot of bits to be right. honest with you that i think a lot of people don't realize what i couldn't name any right now but what, oh okay well what was he for sure but like how long did it take you to figure out what it was? I mean, cause it's so dense in its language. Well, luckily we had a teacher at the time who would translate, like we would, we would learn. So essentially they'd give us a scene, we'd mm -hmm. learn it and then we'd perform it. And then the teacher would be like, okay, this is everything you're doing right. And this is everything you're doing wrong. When he says this, he really means this. I mean, yeah. we had a very flamboyant older gay man as our teacher. And he would say, yeah. he had a cane and he'd say things like, you know, you have to act with your pussy. You have to throw your dick out in the ring. You know, when you're, when you're this close to somebody, you're going to kiss them or you're going to stab them, you know? And it's like, uh -huh. all right, Jimmy Tripp. But he was, he was a cool yeah. dude. Um, yeah. You know. Man, such the stereotypical theater. <laughs> oh, oh, it was very much him. You know, it was very stereotypical. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. It was fun. 
That sounds fun. Uh, I think it's good he's Keegan's doing it. Yeah, and Keegan also comes from a Shakespearean background. In fact, before Keegan Mm -hmm. Peele and um, Mad TV, he like, I mean, was one of those people who didn't have any idea that they'd end up in comedy, and that's just where they ended up. Yeah, I think Will Arnett. No, not Will Arnett, but I know Will Arnett told a story about how he tried to audition for a dramatic role and they started laughing in the room. <laughs> it was just, he was just one of those people that he's just a funny person and he can't really right. see him. It's like hard to see him any other way, but like right. a silly, funny guy. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. That is, yeah, that is some people. And you know, it takes, I think Rory Skull was another one of those. Yeah. Well, Rory, I mean, I, he's been kind of like, you know, a mischievous puck, if you will, for a long time. I, I've heard stories about Rory, like in, in like, you know, inter, like youth soccer leagues, he would give halftime speeches. I think that's hilarious. You know, the story that I heard about him, he was doing, because a friend of mine worked on this movie, he was doing the movie The House with Amy Poehler right. and right. Will Ferrell, and it was his birthday and he brought himself a birthday cake to set. <laughs> and then he like put it on Crafty Mm-hmm. And he was, he like walked out and was like, you guys, who, d- who did this? Who did this? But he got, and it had his photo on it. Mm-hmm. So, and he, he clearly did it for himself. Oh man. I, I heard uh, he pitched a show one time, but it, it, they made it more into like a dramatic performance um, where the execs were not allowed to interrupt. And at the end of it, he had a envelope, I think with like $25 and change and just like put it on the table like if you don't want it here you go and just left <laughs> that's so funny that that's the kind of story you need to hear to give you more confidence in the pitch room to like really let you know i mean i listened to barry katz's episode with dane cook talking about how when he was talking to this executive at nbc or something mm-hmm. and how dane cook jumped on the table and started acting like a t-rex <laughs> it was it's just like you know obviously there's like you know, the normal way to pitch, but I don't think there's a wrong way to pitch. Right. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially, I heard this, yeah. Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, I was okay. saying I heard the story of the Wachowski brothers or at the time pitching right. to, pitching the movie, uh, the, the Matrix to Matrix. Will Smith. Mm-hmm. And Will Smith was, he turned it down because he said their pitch was terrible. And he said, he, they said the pitch was like, yeah, so you'll jump in the air and there's going to be like 30 cameras and it's going to go like this. Mm-hmm. And then he, did, he ended up doing Wild Wild West, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it just goes to show that it's like yep. pitching is all about executing your vision in the room and having right. them see it the way you see it. That's the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, yeah. And it's not, yeah, if, you, if, if they end up seeing something else and that's not why they went with it, then, you know, that's on you a little bit. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But you know, Will Smith, he looks back, he obviously had a fine career, but you know what I mean? He's yeah. Like, <laughs> so. yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, his latest thing uh, was on Quibi and then that went nowhere. So they have to sell. Well, all those things, those properties are probably all going to end up on like Netflix or yeah, somewhere at some point we'll get to watch it. Yep. Yeah. They, they're they going to find home. I, I hope so anyway, because so many of our friends have stuff at Quibi. <laughs> I pitched I pitched a show to Quibi, but I was like, this ain't gonna this ain't gonna go. Quibi right. ain't gonna happen. There's yeah. no way. Was it the the whole like turning your phone thing? Because that was the whole No, it, it wasn't even that. It was the fact that because that's a good idea. That's mm-hmm. a that's a tremendously good idea. The problem is there's already a whole generation of people on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and 
and all these other platforms. Mm-hmm. So how are you going to get these younger people to, to you know, right. to cross over? I, I just didn't see it working, you know? Right. Karen Kilgore pointed this out on My Favorite Murder a while ago where she said about Quibi, like, it's not like we want to be on our phones more. Right. Yeah. We, like, we actually want to be on them less. And now you're trying to make us, like, be even more addicted to it? Yeah, no. I... Th- it was a big, as they said, it was a big Hollywood cash grab. Yep. You know? So. Yeah. So much money. Uh, so, so much money that they spent yeah. on that. Um, okay. Last news item. And then on to uh, your Zoom comedy success and everything it. else. Um, I find this interesting because uh, I guess this would be inevitable, but I, I'm surprised that it was Apatow who's doing it. But Judd Apatow is making his latest film uh, through Netflix, and it's a story that follows actors in a quarantine bubble during uh, a pandemic trying to finish a movie. That's fun. Yeah. That's fun. I like that. Do you, I mean, obviously he'll get I mean, like, it will be four, it'll probably be longer than all his movies. It'll probably be five hours long. because it's. It'll be five hours long, and it, it, it will only be in one location. Yeah, and Netflix, you know, they're going to give him total freedom probably. So, right. Uh, right. no, I think it's cool. I think... Um, I think that's the natural progression, all streaming services. I mean, I was looking over that Conan, uh, that Conan article and he had a funny joke that was like, you know, 28 years ago, Johnny Carson gave me the best advice I ever heard was make sure to transition to a streaming platform. Right. Which is, you know, obviously yeah, nobody could have predicted that, but you know what I mean? Uh, I think that's where it's at. I mean, when we start talking a little bit about what I'm getting into, I mean, I have this whole vision now of, of comedy in the future that, Right. I didn't have before the quarantine, you know? Yeah. No one, no one did, man. All of this is unprecedented and historical. And I mean, that may say, seem grandiose to describe it like that, but comedy no, has exactly never had to change as much as it has Yeah, in such a short time ever. Well, I also think, you know, and just we'll, we'll bring it back to Judd Apatow. I think comedians who are very purist about it are probably also salty that you know, people who've been making content, YouTubers, influencers for the last, you know, five to 10 years, they had no transition issue. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It was almost like once this all went down, the cards had already been stacked in their favor. Like it was, it, it was like a smooth transition. So for a lot of us, right. we are catching up, we're pivoting, we're having to change. You know, I've been doing comedy 13 years. So right. I was like, obviously you know, I'm 33. I started when I was 20. And when I was 20, I feel like YouTube was just the thing just started. You know what I mean? So, you know, uh, I think that's, you're going to see basically everybody move over to a streaming platform. And also every major network now has their own streaming platform. Right. So, yeah, you know, and it's, I mean, it's just a matter of like, I mean, it's almost like we're doing a a, a evolved version of cable, which bundle package are you going to sign up for? Yeah, Disney kind of fucked. I feel like I, when, I, when I heard about it, I think Disney kind of messed everything up when they mm-hmm. essentially built their own platform. They took right. all of their content yep. off of Hulu and like these other. So then every other platform was like, well, fuck, you know, because mm-hmm. Hulu was supposed to be that like Switzerland place. Yep. You know, but then they, they the contracts ended and then right. now we're here where you got to do Peacock, mm-hmm. HBO Max. Yep. PBS All Access. Yep. You know? Yep. And so, Showtime Anytime, and Showtime which is anytime. not even available on all the streaming like devices. Yeah. So, you know, we're in a, we're, we are for sure in a golden era of television, which right. I don't know if we'll, we'll, it will ever end. Right. 
But um, I mean, who was the first, when you think about like, who was the first celebrity like movie star to go to a streaming platform? And honestly, I want to say it mm-hmm. might've been Kevin Spacey and Robin Wright when they did House of Cards. Maybe. Yeah. Cause that was like the first major streaming hit. I want to say, mm-hmm. you know, and right. now you have Handmaid's Tale. Um, then, I mean, there's more that are obviously, you know, Stranger Things. Like these, these more of these like hit streaming TV shows are popping up. The Boys is phenomenal. Right. You know? Right. So, yeah. Um, separate from that, what are your, I mean, I, you know, I've seen attempts at it, but what do you think of going forward it, content-wise, people doing comedy about this time about the pandemic trying to reflect and you know process the collective trauma that we go through every day in this time yeah too soon uh, maybe say so that no no I, I think you know it's funny that you say that i just got asked to do a, a outdoor show mm-hmm. and they asked me to work work on a song you know talking about 2020 and how it's like a garbage fire you know right um it's like, this is a very traumatic experience, I think, for everybody involved. And I don't think everything is going to be back to normal when things are back, quote, back to normal. Right. I think there's going to be a way different, there's going to be a new normal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I, I think we're, we're still yet to see what the, the major long-term effects of this year is going to have. Because, I mean, it's not over. I think a second shutdown is coming. Yep. Uh, I already know other countries have shut down oh yeah uh so like it is coming mm-hmm. so businesses are going to fail mm-hmm. uh people are going to get evicted mm-hmm. people are going to go hungry like it's going to get really bad it was it already got bad and then it's going to get even worse right um which so, they already said was going to happen like months ago yeah and i think you know i march 15th you know my last live show was march 11th at a college well at the time, right? I've done a couple of live outdoor shows since then, but right. uh, that was like the last like booked show. And right. then March 16th, I think everything kind of, sh- everything shut down. Right. Or March 15th, everything, everything shut down. And then that same week I read an article that said most vaccines take about on an average 18 months to be like fully distributed to, mm-hmm. uh, to everybody. Right. Right. And then I spoke to a friend of mine who's a, mu- a big music manager. She represents some big artists. And I asked her, just like out of curiosity, I said, when do you think your clients are going to be performing live again? And she said, our company has decided like March or earliest is spring 2021. Mm-hmm. And even then, you know, it's still going to be a situation. Who knows how bad it's going to get during winter here, you know, right. especially right. with the lack of leadership and plan that's coming out and no mm-hmm. plan to stimulate or, you know, send out stimulus checks or things right. like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I think for us people who are gig workers or performers, I I wasn't too concerned Mm -hmm. because, you know, I'm a resourceful person and I I literally was like, all right, I am ready to do Postmates when it, when the time comes. Sure. I will ride this out as long as I can. Yeah. But if it comes to doing Postmates or Ubering, I'm like, that's just what it's going to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but what do you think? Cause I've seen, you know, there are a couple of sitcoms where they like do it mostly from like a zoom perspective. I know connected was that one that preacher yeah. Lawson did. Yeah. And then there's social um, distancing, I think on Netflix. Yeah. I watched that one and just, um, it seemed just so sad. 
Yeah, you know, it's it's weird. I shot a commercial at the top of the month uh, for Toyota. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting because it was like the commercial was, was like three guys driving a Toyota Sienna to a concert. Right. You know, we don't have masks on. Like the world is normal in this commercial, mm-hmm. which I thought was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Being that it's not normal, it's not going to get back to normal. I think the shows that are doing their bubbles and shooting it like it is normal. Is, I mean, I think there should be a show that's out now speaking to this somehow. Right. Uh, but I don't know if they're, they figured it out or doing it properly just yet. You know, like we, we haven't seen the hit show that talks about this year. You know what I'm saying? Right. I don't know if a comedy is necessarily the angle yet to go. Yeah. Like, maybe then, like This Is Us should do like a quarantine season. And maybe you're right. Maybe it is too soon to talk about it because the fact is it's not even over yet. We're not going to really know the full implications of this until no. I feel like years later. You know? I mean, I'm not faulting anybody for trying, but I mean, sure. yeah, it's just, um, I mean, what I found odd about a lot of those, I mean, like, you know, connected and uh, social distancing is like, you know, they're um, fictionalizing our experience. Oh, also um, Coastal Elites on HBO, they, which was essentially that. dramatic monologues mm. uh, with like Sarah Paulson and Dan, um, Levy and uh, yeah, j- just them like. I feel like know, that was probably uncomfortable. It was it, because it was. I mean, it was. It was like, it, hey, watch us try to pretend that this isn't theater, and it is. You know, it's so interesting because it's like, you know, I look at YouTubers. I'm trying to think of who's the famous guy who was like one of the first, and he has the fast cuts. Mm-hmm. You know, I forget right. what his, this guy's name is, but you know, there's definitely a style. To, to vlogging and like talking to a camera for the internet users, you know? Yeah. And then you like have the Grace Hilbig was a great example of that. And then when they gave her to her own talk show on E, it didn't work. Yeah, because it's, it's not... The thing about the, these networks and TV shows and channels is that they're used to doing everything really crispy, clean, professional, and perfect. Right. Whereas YouTube is the opposite. Like people like when something is raw, it looks weird and, you know, gorilla. It looks like it was gorilla... Shot on a, you know, right. they like it shaky. They like this feeling of like, um, I don't know. They feel they get to see a little bit of how the sausage is made. It feels where, authentic. Yeah, it feels authentic. Where when you watch TV shows, and I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's just a different medium. Right. And now they're in a position where they can't shoot these big productions with these big crews and these things, and they have to evolve and change. But they're they're it's like so outside of their comfort zone. You know right. what I mean? Right. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, uh, only time will tell. Uh, I mean, I can, I bet that Avatar will get like a star-studded cast for this. Um, sure. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how he does it actually production-wise if they'll have to, well, they'll have to quarantine as yeah. a group that is doing a movie about actors quarantining and finishing a movie. Right. So that'll be, yeah, that'll be, a, you know, a Russian doll of a, of a thing yeah yeah we'll see but now on to you and what you've been uh up to at the top of 2020 uh had you even heard of zoom i mean like you were doing so many things bring the funny was a thing you're playing colleges. I mean, it seemed like 
2020 uh, was going to be like a banner year now. Yeah, well, my, my big project for 2020 was going to be the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Edinburgh right. Fringe Festival. Um, I had raised money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had gotten flyers. And I had, I mean, I have 3,000 stickers in my drawer that I was going right. to, you know, give to audiences and stuff. And What was your uh, show going to be? I mean, a solo show for sure. But like, what was your... Yeah, so it was actually going to be the hour-long special that I shot uh, back in January. So I had shot or January of last year. Right. 2019. Mm-hmm. So uh, I had shot this spec special. Right. You know, I spent about a thousand dollars, hired four cameras, and mm-hmm. um, and the plan was for my manager, my manager to kind of pass it around town, and hopefully, you know, maybe somebody would bite. You know, for somebody who's like virtually unknown, right. and and I sold, you know, I sold a hundred tickets to the show for people who liked me. You know, because I had, but the year before that, mm-hmm. I had done like forty colleges. And I had been running this hour for forever. You know, I, I learned a lot in 2018. So then 2019, I was like, let's just try this and see how to do it. Mm-hmm. So I had a pretty decent final product. Uh, you know, look, obviously, like I, I, we evolve and grow. I look back and I'm like embarrassed and I feel like such a, a way stronger performer now than I was then. But, uh, you know, so I was just going to do that show at Fringe. And then while I was doing that, I was going to just be working on other songs and other projects. Right. Uh, but then, and then I had a couple live shows and, but then everything shut down. Right. And, and in March, yeah, the last, you said March 11th was your last college gig. And then March and, 15th was the, I literally landed March 12th mm-hmm. in LA mm-hmm. and then March 15th, everything shut down. Right. And then I was just sort of like, I, I just conceded the point. I was like, all right, I think this is going to be at least a year. Mm-hmm. Of this. Ooh, immediately. A lot of us lived in doubt for a, a month or two. Yeah, immediately I was going to be like, this is going to be, you know, just based on what I heard from the news and what I, you know, I was just, the news and back, like stuff I know, what I've learned and asking friends and stuff. And right. once the, the, towards the end of March, they canceled Fringe Festival. So I was like, right. yeah. And then the first Zoom comedy show popped up that was going to be streamed on, on Twitch was Audrey Stewart's. Mm-hmm. and tommy callahan show i think that was like the first zoom show yeah it was that something like an apartment comedy apartment or something like that it was something along those lines but it, it was it, it popped up and i i just thought to myself okay this is going to be an, a normal thing that's going to be happening i'm going to really figure out how to do this mm-hmm. before i start like really you know doing these zoom shows right so because I wanted to do it right. I just figured like, not to say that they didn't do it right. I'm just saying, I just wanted to right. learn how to do it. And, yeah. you know, so I dropped anywhere between two to $3,000 on camera, audio, wow. camera equipment, audio equipment, like connect, you know, adapters, connectors, this like little, this, this like audio interface and stuff like that. Right. You know, um, lights. Mm-hmm. That you see, like I got the whole desk that's like metal that everything is attached to and shit. Yeah, I even upgraded my my internet and everything. You know, I got a new computer, which Damn. was later on. Right. So, yeah, I probably spent you know three grand. Hmm. If you count the computer, it's like probably like five grand. Right. But was I'm, that I'm, money you had, or was that unemployment helping you out? Uh, I had money in the bank, but I also had unemployment. Hmm. Um, and I think it was more of like I looked at it as an investment. Right. And that investment really paid off because uh, I wrote a couple of songs specifically for Zoom. 
to right. work in this medium. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the crowd work that you've seen me do live actually right. kind of transfers really well to Zoom because- I could imagine it does. Yeah, because, you know, on Zoom, they have the option to pin a video or spotlight a video. Right. So like, you know, you were at that show we, that on Saturday night. Yeah, right? it was in a backyard jungle. Yeah, it was a backyard jungle. And the thing about that is the whole audience was spread out. So if I did crowd work in one area, mm-hmm. there was a whole other area of the crowd that couldn't see it, right? right. And right. with any live show, you kind of get that. Like if you do, you pick somebody out, not everybody can see the person. Right. But with Zoom, I literally can spotlight the person and do crowd work with them. So right. every, the person cannot hide. Every single person can see it. Mm-hmm. Um, also with Zoom, I knew that we weren't going to be able to hear laughs mm-hmm. or, and we knew that I, we were going to be competing. I was going right. to be competing with a bunch of distractions. You know, when you do a live comedy show, right. everybody enters into a, sh- a social contract, you know? Yep. But when you're home, there's no bouncer in your apartment that's telling yeah. you to quiet down. Yeah. And you so, can always turn off your mic. You can turn off your camera, do whatever. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I for sure have shown up to Zoom events and just muted myself while I played video games on my computer. You know what I mean? How many, so, how many oh, yeah. Zoom shows did you watch while you're like figuring this out? Like what was the well, period? I don't even know if I watched Zoom shows. It was more like, I honestly watched a lot of YouTube tutorial videos. Like okay. I was the guy going to these vlogs like, what is the best camera for streaming? Right. How do, how do you, what's the best streaming software? Right. Um, and... Uh, my first live stream was in April mm-hmm. and then it was also around that time, the beginning of April, I decided anytime I try something new, I, I, I don't say like, I'm going to do this now. I always give myself like two months mm-hmm. because I think a lot of people, like when I switched from stand up and I started using the guitar, I wasn't like, I'm a guitar comic now. Right. I was like, I'll write two songs and then I'll take them around this summer and see how it goes. Right. So that way you could always be like, as long as you're trying, right. you're experimenting, it's not a complete failure because you're like pushing yourself, you know? Right. Um, but I didn't watch a lot of Zoom shows. I did a couple and also listened, and I'll be totally honest with you, but, you know, the music, music is a diff- it translates a lot better to any medium, mm-hmm. I think in general, because it's, even if it's not funny, and I learned early on when I was doing music comedy, right. even if it's not funny, people still like to listen to music, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that's the brilliance of Reggie Watts. Like what, like Reggie, if you ever see Reggie do an hour, he oscillates between it being funny and the music being really good. Right. You know, and I think, and I've gotten feedback. I remember early on in the music comedy, I was doing a show at Westside mm-hmm. comedy theater in Santa Monica. And like, I felt like I bombed because I didn't get a lot of laughs. And then somebody came up to me after the show and they were like, Hey man, I really loved your set. Like I would listen to your music in my car. And then it really hit me like, Oh, they were listening to the music tonight. They weren't listening to the jokes. Right. You know, cause some nights I'll do a show and it's more like quiet, but you realize, Oh, they're just sort of vibing out to the music tonight. Right. You know? Yeah. And it's like, when I listen to Reggie Watts, I'm like, like they do, who just did a, uh, him and Mark Rebier did a, uh, a, a little, um, collab and they right. posted it on social media and like the song was fire. It was mm-hmm. so good. Yeah. So, um, you know, the thing, and the thing I should say at the beginning of court, at the beginning of the top of the year, I was trying to transition stand up back into my set. Mm-hmm. So I was doing, you know, on a 10 minute set, I, did, I would do five minutes of jokes and then I would bring out the guitar. I wouldn't even have the guitar on stage. Right. I remember because, that. Yeah. It was going well. It was yeah. just, uh, um, 
I think the feedback I got was like, Hey, if you could show people that you really can do both, mm-hmm. you know, you could even go further. I mean, I was, I had auditioned for Montreal when I was like 24 doing stand up, you know? So, and that was, that was what was part. going on, but then zoom happened. Now I've transitioned even deeper into music, I think. So, right. As I saw, well, you know, I went to that outdoor show on Saturday and like, you didn't even, you had to shoehorn a song in at the end because you were basically just doing what you crowd work, crowd work while singing. And, uh, that took up the majority of your set. Yeah. It's, uh, and I'm going to post that later today, I think, but, uh, I had so much fun on that set. And I think one of the reasons why I almost feel like I gotten better at crowd work mm-hmm. is because of live streaming and doing the zoom comedy because a lot of anxieties and barriers have kind of melted away because this whole year has sort of been like, I just chalk any failure up to 2020 right? or any misstep. It's like, well, we're in a pandemic. Yeah. Shit's not supposed to be like this anyway. Right. You know? So with the zoom comedy, it was all experimental and it it didn't go right. The point, the fact was this wasn't, this isn't normal anyway. Right. You know? Do you think with like the virtual separation and live streaming that sort of, you know, broke down the barrier for crowd work, like making it easier to do it? Because like when you're doing it in person, there is that tension sometimes. Yeah. That yeah, I think so. Do- I think the, I think having this filter, mm-hmm. uh, this camera has helped me for sure. Yeah. Like uh, just by, le- you know, lowering my anxiety level. Right. Uh, especially on these Zoom shows, I could literally before my set is up, mm-hmm. I could look at everybody and and like write notes to to think about what i'm going to say for people nice i also should say when i do zoom Mm -hmm. i set up uh like a a guideline on how to act during the set Mm. i i think that's super important because they they don't know how to enter we don't have the normal way to interact now so i think any comedian can take this if they want Mm -hmm. but at the beginning of every every set i say listen i can't hear you Mm -hmm. i may not be able to hear you and i may not be able to see you so if you like something in the chat, type LOL. If you really like something, give me a ha ha ha. Right. If you really, really like something, give me a he he, whatever it is, you right. know? Right. Uh, and instead of applause, I tell them to do this, you know? Right. Yeah. So um, I feel like a second grade teacher. I'm like giving them, telling them how to interact. And I think that's super important because they don't know how to do this either. Right. It's, so all, gotta, it's all brand new. It's all, uh, this is all unprecedented. It's all yeah. like, yeah, we're we're making comedy history doing that. Right. So that's how I did it. Um, right. And I thought that was super effective. Right. Um, and you realize, mm-hmm. and also Zoom gives the audience uh, the ability to heckle without like really interrupting your set. Right. Because so, they can just be in the chat. Yeah. Which I've gotten really used to and I kind of learned to love the chat now. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. It's very exciting for a person to type something in a chat and then it be acknowledged. Right. Oh yeah, it is. It's very exciting. I've learned that a lot from streaming on Twitch. It's super exciting for, for people. Oh it's yeah. Exciting for me. Yeah. I, so. I called into Robbie Hoffman does like um, a live stream off of Chris Gethard's planet scum, which I think is like half Twitch, half discord. Yeah. And like people wanted me to join the chat after the call. Like right. they kept, and, and they were really happy when I did. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's sort of like a, like a old school chat room on steroids, you know? Yep. Like, uh, you know, I grew up when AOL 
came out and you had those chat rooms that people would be putting age sex location in and shit. But, uh, but now it's like, and discord is huge, by the way, I, I, you know, I tried to organize a couple of comedy game nights. Mm -hmm. You'd be shocked at how hard it is to convince comedians to download like another app like discord. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's just like a whole thing. And you know, me and just off the six, Andrew Levy Mm -hmm. have really been trying to like champion live streaming for comedians. Right. We have a whole we have a whole comedy Discord set up now right. for comedians who are interested in transitioning and like you know things like that. So um, it's That's been great. an interesting process. Yeah. Well, so bringing back to your first Zoom show, you did Audrey Stewart's show. How did that go, and what was that experience like? It went well. You know, my audio setup wasn't as good as it is now. And nor right. was like my lighting and situation. I know right. I, I literally had to like every time I went live or did these shows, I had to like set up a tripod and a camera and plug things in. And I had the surge protector and every adapters and all this sort of shit. And my, my old computer would get super hot, right. uh, but it would still go well, you know. Right. Um, but now uh, it's a lot. I mean, you know, where I started and where I am now is like so crazy. Yeah, well, then, so how did you progress from that? You did that first show and it went well, but you, there was still some shortcomings and you started figuring out, I mean, like, did you start doing a bunch of Zoom shows a week or was that slow? And then how'd you get back to uh, corporate stuff? It was mostly, I said yes to every single Zoom gig. I said no to nothing. I did Instagram, mm-hmm. comedy shows. Right. I did, all, I did all the shows. Right. Because just like you said earlier on, it's sort of like if you're a comedian who's waiting for this to be over, mm-hmm. you're kind of doing yourself a disservice because it's like, you know, there's, what else is there to really do right now? I mean, you, can, I, I, you could pivot and, and do content or, or write a pilot or do this. But as you know, every network and television channel is having their own hurdles. They have to, you know, it's, it was hard enough to tell a TV show not in a pandemic. You know what I mean? Right. So, you know, there, there, there's no, I don't feel like there's any harm in just trying to work in this medium. Right. Uh, so I just said yes to everything. And then the first corporate or I guess paid gig was uh, for a company my friend was working for. It was like a new app. Right. And then what I did that. What huh? when, we, when was that? That was April. April. Whoa. Okay. That was pretty That was fun. April. Um, that was April. Uh, and then, because I had, I think I had been promoting my my first live stream, mm-hmm. and I think it became clear if like you're somebody who follows me, right. you saw that I was working on this, right? Right. Um, so I then think it I was even so- shouted out your first like when you did your first solo live stream. Like, well, that's been a challenge of mine. Like, I just I have to do more work to find out about stuff now. Now it's a little bit harder, right? Like when I shout out my live streams, it's literally a post because I'll stream three times a week now, whether it's music, video games, mm-hmm. uh, or just, just chatting. Cause right. the, the, also you got to understand like the live streaming is a whole, a whole other beast than doing a, a streamed comedy show, right. you know, doing like actual live streaming. The best way I would, would, uh, describe it as like a bar show where mm-hmm. somebody's performing up at the bar, right? People walk in the bar, have a drink and then they dip. Yep. You know, yeah. So when I first started doing these live streams, these hour long live streams, I, I put so much pressure on myself. I was like, oh, I have to put on an hour long show with segments and jokes. And, you know, if you look at my very first live stream, there was jokes, there was a positive message time, there was songs, there was like a fake phone call. There was a whole thing. Right. right. 
but now it's sort of progressed to being way more chill. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I did a three hour, three and a half hour stream last night, uh, where the first hour was just music and vibing out and freestyling. And then the second hour was just chatting. And then the third hour was playing call of duty, you right. know? Um, and you got to understand you're on, you're on for three hours. Yeah. Um, so I, my average audience for that whole three hours was 16 people. Wow. And I had at most at, mm-hmm. at, the, at, the, at its peak, I had like 33 people watching. Right. And at its lowest, I had like eight people watching. Right. But over the course of three hours to have like, if you liken this to a real live room, if you have eight people in a room right. for three hours, that's like pretty impressive, you know? It is pretty impressive. And those people are so plugged in to whatever you're doing. Yeah. And a lot of the people that I have that watch are now like, I have my own little community that's slowly growing. Right. Um, You know, as a human, I am late to Twitch. As a comedian, I feel like I'm very, very early. Yeah. Does that make sense? Did I lose you? Uh, You're frozen. I can still hear you. you you cut out for a second. Yeah. All right. All right. I think you're back. There you are. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. 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 Um, I agree. I mean, I think before March, Twitch was, I knew Twitch is just like, oh, that's where people go to watch people play video games. And yeah. That's it. I didn't know that anybody, it, it is a platform that could have been used to stream anything. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm looking for a new place. And when I move into the new place, I'm literally going to do furniture assembly streams. <laughs> yeah. Because it's sort of like Twitch is interesting. It's like, you know, just off the six, mm-hmm. um, he edits his photos on stream. Right. And oh, it's wow. one of those things where it's like, if you're going to do that anyway, right. why not do it on stream and then build an audience, you know? Right. I guess there's this insecurity that, I, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but like, you wonder, I, I feel like people would naturally wonder, do people want to watch that? You know, I don't know if people want to watch it, but I, I definitely know that people who are stuck in Odessa, Texas with no friends or nobody to hang out with, right? Um, just want somebody to hang out with. Right. And it's sort of like, it's crazy how much it means to people literally when you just give them a shout out. Yep. It's, it's truly wild so if you kind of look at it like that like you're just hanging out with people you're kind of like a friend to them wow Um, and it you you don't want to you know if you look you know ron funches is a probably the biggest comedian comedy streamer that we know Mm -hmm. and he just plays like retro video games right now recently he's playing spider-man on stream the new Mm spider-man and he just hangs out with people and then people say something in the chat and then he'll say something to him you know He's not, and he's not doing material. He's just right. playing video games. Do you even feel pressure in the, in now that your streams have become more chill to even be funny or? No, I, I, I do feel like the only pressure I feel like, you know, you definitely want to be a little bit engaging mm-hmm. every now and then. You don't have to be funny, but. I definitely will talk about my life. We'll just, I'll ask chat questions like, guys, what do you think about this? I'm doing this or whatever, you know, it has nothing to do with being funny anymore. But I think that's one of the main reasons why I felt so comfortable doing the crowd work on Friday, because like being on stream for three hours and then having to do just a 15 minute set, 
right. is feels like a breeze now, you know? Right. Right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And yeah, you were, I think you would just, probably going to go throughout the whole audience and have probably a meaningful connection or moment little, yeah. yeah with everybody yeah, yeah. um i mean the next day i did a a live show on the beach and honestly i did the same not only did i well i did something i never do during a comedy set i played a cover oh wow yeah what'd you Ooh, play my camera did freeze that time okay yeah you are a little frozen now yeah there we go no, you're back i did a cover and because it was so beautiful and the sun was setting and I, and there was like, I literally was like, I did probably six or seven minutes of crowd work. And then I was just sort of like, guys, it's so beautiful. I'm, I'm like tempted to play a cover. And they were like, yeah, do it. Yep. So then I started doing this Beatles cover and then dolphins, people started seeing dolphins in the ocean behind me. <laughs> and I made a joke. I was like, guys, do you see what happens when I start singing beautiful love songs? Mm -hmm. Do you see mm -hmm. the dolphins come out? Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want to have that power, but this yep. is what happened. Yeah. And so it was like a really beautiful moment. And then, uh, then I did a comedy song and then I got the fuck out of there and it was great. Oh, that is great, man. So yeah, look at that. I mean, you know, it's not where we were in January, February, but you know, yeah. I don't like, would we have ever done comedy on the beach ever? Uh, but without a pandemic, probably not. Right. Yeah. And you wouldn't got to, uh, sing a Beatles song and, uh, you know, summon dolphins somehow. <laughs> what's going on groovy kids cats and kittens we're gonna we're our back on the podcast with jay kroger yep Kate, let's go oh. <laughs> can you make stings right from that audio interface stings are those like little intro outros is that what that is yeah or like you know for like morning zoo radio which you're i think imitating you know it's yeah those things that get piled up on each other a bunch of sound effects and then you know they're like yeah so um i think you know, my operation is growing, uh, mm -hmm. and I'm the new place that I just put an application in for, mm -hmm. I'm going to be making like an actual streaming studio with like a green right. screen and other cameras. Right. And I think I will have a sound, uh, like I have an iPad right to my right that okay. I think I will have like a soundboard. Oh, cool. So then I'll have the music and I'll be like, Hey, what's going on everybody? Welcome to the Morgan J live stream. Today we got Jay Kroger. We Let's have mobile, and we're gonna be playing some video games. A new game is coming out, and then you know, uh, yeah. some shit like that. Yeah. And then you know, it's gonna be great, man. Uh, yeah. So, just having fun with it. Just, just now, it's crazy because it's mm -hmm. like I did my first live show. I don't know how long the podcast is, and I hope I'm sorry if I'm going too long. No, 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 no. we're good. Uh, I did my first live stand-up show in front of comedy peers a right. couple of weeks ago uh, in WeHo right. uh, that Eric Khan was putting on. Right. And I was nervous, man. I forgot the lyrics to my song. Mm -hmm. I, I made a joke on, on uh, during the set. I was like, I honestly think I'm better at Zoom performance now than I am at standup, right. which makes sense because right, I've been doing this for like the last four months and then right. all of a sudden I have to do live again. So right. I wonder, I, I have no doubt that this will happen, but I wonder who is going to, on some weird show, when we actually get to do real shows again and full in, in earnest someone bringing a recorded performance of them on zoom and them just making fun of it on stage oh do you know what do you want to know the bit that i was thinking of doing when everything what? got back to normal 
I was going to be like, Hey guys, um, I do have a tight five, a tight zoom five now. Uh So, um, I'd love, I don't want to, I don't want it to go to waste. So I'm going to go to the green room and I'm going to send you guys all the zoom link and we're just going (laughs) to do the zoom part of it. And then I'll come back out. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, also, that would be like a nightmare because then everybody would have their phone. I think actually that could be really funny too if everybody logged on with their phone to the Zoom call mm-hmm. in the audience and there's just right. complete feedback. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. That was- <laughs> <laughs> and that would just be the bit. Yeah. 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 Um, but you're for sure. They're for sure. I mean, I've recorded a ton of my streams. Mm-hmm. So um, today the main goal is to get my corporate Zoom reel on right. LinkedIn. Nice. That's Wait, the- so you're just to go back to that really quickly. You did your first corporate Zoom stream in April. In April, and then, yeah. What? Where did it progress from there? Did it just pick up? Yeah. So um, it progressed a couple different ways. There was there were a couple bookers slash comedians who already had connections or were already working on this. There's specifically this one comedian from New York, uh, Steve. Uh, I can't. I'm blanking on Steve's last name, but he was already trying to make like a corporate. I guess, agency for comedians to do corporate gigs, right? Like, and so I did some of my first corporate gigs with him. Well, he was doing shows for like apartment complexes. Right. And then another comedian, Todd Durham, booked me for a corporate gig or two. Off that, off of that uh, first one I did for the app, mm-hmm. I got booked for two more corporate gigs. Right. So those are my first two real corporate. It was like a law firm that had two offices. Right. Um, and then... From there, it was referrals because I think now you see me posting on my story a lot how I'm doing so much Zoom comedy right. that I feel like I'm one of the guys. Uh, you know, I have, it's at, that, at this point, it's, it's kind of like that. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Brady Matthews is a comedian. He DM'd me and was like, listen, somebody asked me to do a Zoom comedy show. I don't do it. So I gave them your name and I told them you charge X amount of dollars. And I was like, great. And then uh, I'm not quite sure how... Anheuser-Busch found me because I did that. I did a 20 minute set for them right before this. Right. And then during that set, I got an email from some company called Finestra. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think they're like a big company and like uh, like a pharmaceutical thing. Yeah. I think there's a pharmaceutical company. So they hit me up and uh, don't tell comedy who's been doing, they've been toying with uh, outdoor shows. Yeah. uh, Yeah. They've also been toying with like trivia shows and you know, I right. did a corporate gig that was literally a bingo night. The, they were like, we like your comedy, but could you do a bingo night? And I was yeah. like, sure. Oh, I overheard that you were talking about that, the show I saw you at where like yeah. you, you've gotten a lot of gigs by saying that like, well, yeah, I mean, I do stand up and musical comedy, but I can host. Yeah. We, like, why couldn't I host a game night? I host comedy shows. Right. So um, it's literally me going like, all right, guys, we are going to pull out B27. Somebody has bingo, right. and then you uh, know it's and then we're just yeah. vibing playing bingo. I straight up have four college gigs in February mm-hmm. that is all bingo nights. Wow! And, and I mean, is the audio interface make it fun enough for you? Because without it, I imagine to be. Oof. Um, you know, it's it's fun to an extent. At the end of the day, I am just pulling numbers. But yep. again how hard is it for me to go from my bed to here for an hour and make a thousand dollars literally pulling mm-hmm. numbers? You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. What's your best Zoom gig that you've gotten thus far? Mm. Either, I mean, it could be for pay or it was just the experience or both. Uh, I don't know. 
You know, the best Zoom, I did a Starline social, uh, Andrew Rolfo show. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a gig for them and I tried a new song mm-hmm. that went super freaking well. And I was so, I mean, I get most excited when I do new material and it, and right. it, and it kills. I think right. any comedian can relate to that. Um, right. uh, so the gigs, the, the, the two Zoom shows where I did these new Zoom songs right. that murdered. So I was super, uh, really super happy about it. Yeah. I can't name them exactly, but yeah. Yeah. God, I've done, I'm like trying to think, but I've, at this point I've done so you've many. done that many. Episodes. I mean, so like, you know, uh, I mean, I guess at you know, your peak, like you, how many Zoom shows would you say you were doing a week? I'll say this. Uh, I was doing like at least two to three corporate Zoom shows a month. Right. And now it's getting even more dense. But also I should say I'm working on this. I'm on the CBS diversity showcase. Right. Uh, so that last, this last month mm-hmm. or two and a half has kind of been consumed. My right. energy has been consumed by that. So I haven't been able to develop more like streaming material. How's that going to work? They're going to do it virtually or are you guys just going to pre-tape it? and then? Uh, yeah, it's going to be all sketch. It's going to be like a hour long sketch comedy show. And yeah. they're going to send it to every cast director, producer, manager, and whoever in Hollywood. Oh, cool. so I honestly think it's going to be better. Yeah, I think it'll probably be better you're because you're like actual instead of having to rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. Yeah, and, and also it's sort of like the, the the people that are going to be watching this are going to be trying to book you for a TV show or a movie, you know. So they want to. I would think they would want to see you on camera. So I think it's going to be even better. So. That's another thing I feel like I booked because of this year and doing Zoom. Wow. How about that? Yeah. 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 Cause my, yeah. That's, that's good. Uh, I mean, I, I imagine as the volume of you doing it more, I mean, it's, you know, even like randomly, there was an ad agency, I think out in Philly that reached out to me about like, you know, uh, like online comedy and how it's going. And then, there was a software company that was interested in me doing like a live stream show under the banner of the comedy beer. I mean, like, and I don't even know how they found me other than yeah. they just said Google. We just Googled and we. And I think that perfectly speaks to how thirsty corporate corporations and companies and private establishments are. They need entertainment. Right. So That's- for comedians who are kind of like, I'm not I'm never going to do this. I think, uh, you know, it's worth trying out and having an open mind. Nobody's asking you to do this forever. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So. Speaking of which, so you mentioned earlier about a vision of the future. What it, What is that? I think live streaming, and I don't want to sound like Gary V, v but I think mm-hmm. uh, live streaming is going to be the future of uh, a lot of entertainment. Yeah. Oh, it's not going away. Not at all. I, I mean, when you think about, if, I feel like it's going to be full circle. When you think about uh, the original sketch shows, mm-hmm. like the Carol Burnett show, the right. Dean Martin show, the, all the, these shows, so all these show shows show, were done yeah. live to tape. Right. They were doing sketches live. Mm-hmm. So it seems like a natural progression to start doing the live stuff again, you know? Right. Yeah. I think it's just a matter of like tech being a scaled down. Like um, I yeah. keep uh, mentioning like, you remember Fathom events or you know about Fathom events, Morgan? That sounds so, I feel like I do. Yeah. So they would, they've been for years live streaming like the Met, uh, like opera at right. the Met into theaters. Right. And they're yes. 
yeah and so i mean they had like obviously an internet connection that none of us had and then high quality cameras like four of yeah. them and high quality audio but if you could scale that down to like you know limited capacity comedy club i think that is well what's gonna happen. you know what i'm gonna be so like i said i put an application for this apartment and it has this whole upper stair space right and i will turn that into like a live streaming space, mm -hmm. but on top of that, I will turn it into a live stream, uh, like comedy show space. Right. So I'll have a like an audience of ten people, friends and stuff. Right. Um, That's and, what Funches did with uh, that live stream he did like a couple months ago. Yeah, and I think it's a whole different. I'm already having people in my Twitch streams asking me if they can be in my Zoom shows so that I can interact with them. Right. So you know, I think the goal will be like sell. 10 tickets to my apartment or whatever. And then another 20 tickets to the zoom. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the people are just in the chat, you know? Right. right. So I think there's definitely a place where that's going to be. I mean, they were already working on virtual reality stand-up shows. Oh yeah. No, I remember. I mean, that was fucking 2017, 16. Yeah. Yeah. I saw people like they'd plop down like a, like a 360 camera at the Lyric Hyperion. Right. And people, <laughs> it'd be very weird, but they were then, you'd see the result when you got to put on one of those weird Oculus riffs and uh, it was a trip. <laughs> yeah. I did. A, I did a show like that uh, at the ha ha ca cafe. And yeah. Yeah. So I think the, I think the future is going to be really different. I think mm -hmm. if you're a stand-up comedian, you right. have to be really open-minded and right. be okay with pivoting. Right. Um, I personally have really enjoyed this last year. Sure. Uh, That's awesome, man. Congrats more power to you i don't want to sound like insensitive but you know yeah everything came out of a, a space of of experimentation you know sure oh yeah i mean everybody's been experimenting i mean and that's sort of because we've had to since um march there's no there's no substitute for a, a live comedy show but mm -hmm. you know we're just doing the best we can yeah Absolutely. I, I mean, again, the recognition that it's different and then making do with that uh, is like a yeah. big, big plus. Um, if you get a big enough following doing that plan you just laid out, like, do you envision like the majority of your time doing that versus like, I mean, technically you wouldn't have to tour. If it, yeah. I mean, I've loved the not traveling. Uh, yeah. Honestly, I, I don't really like to travel. I literally pack my, my special pillow when I travel. Uh, I love performing live so much that I'll do it and it pays really well, but uh, I don't like, I mean, I went on a vacation to Europe and I went to like Paris and London and Amsterdam and I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like to travel. I realized like, I'm not really impressed. Yeah. I'm not like whatever about all of this, you know? Oh, are, you, are you one of those people? I've seen this in like pictures and like, on tv like i why i'm not getting a lot well no honestly when i was i was there and i was trying to take a vacation and i wasn't performing and i was like i wish i booked a ton of shows while i was in europe you know yeah it would have been more fun that's what a, a good amount of performers do they're yeah like, they, there are expat communities all over the world yeah yeah and they'll just do that if i go back to amsterdam i'm straight up booking like a full week or two uh, in that because that city was dope and they have a really good comedy community there yep and yep. people really like to go out to like do shit yep you're not in la where people are like i don't know maybe <laughs> I mean, yeah. is it downtown because if it's downtown what's no. the parking like who's gonna be there who's on the lineup oh yep. i saw them last night whatever you know <laughs> so well to answer your question i think um 
I'm not, it's the actual streaming hasn't really been lucrative. Sure. Like the, like the corporate gigs pay well, but mm -hmm. you know, Twitch and YouTube, mm -hmm. uh, I've made a fair amount of money on a small scale. I, I do envision that if I kept doing this consistently for a year, mm -hmm. it could be, it could pay rent and like pay right. your life. You know what I'm saying? Right. Is that what you want to do? Um, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that. I think it's going to, they're, they're going to help each other out. Uh, sure. I think, you know, if I have a strong so, uh, following on these platforms mm -hmm. and I say, Hey, I'm coming to Atlanta, right. Hit your friends up. I think I'll be, it'll just be easier to sell tickets. Sure. Uh, I'll probably do less live shows for sure. Um, but I like it. I like the community. The Twitch community is super nice and it's super inclusive and right. a lot of fun. I've, I've interacted and made friends with comedians and people I never would have met otherwise. Right. You know, that's awesome, man. And you know, and I'm that, uh, I mean, it, it's a, it, it's a, a refreshing success story that like, I mean, what a lot of people hoped or envisioned for with like doing comedy online and live stream that, that you figured it out, you figured it out. I definitely figured something out. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're almost at the end here. Uh, you know, since I ran into you at a few outdoor shows, I just want to ask sort of like in closing, I mean, um, what is, what is the feeling as you've gotten to actually perform in front of real people, uh, been like compared to all these zoom shows? I mean, I got to see you at two shows, but you obviously done a little more than that. Yeah. And I've done some private party outdoor parties. I was like, after that Saturday show, I was like riding really high. Right. I was just so, I was so just like, energized you know right. um definitely have never felt that ever doing the streaming stuff mm. um definitely have like felt elation and happiness but you know nothing like trying new shit and just flying by the seat of your pants it's like an, it's exhilarating you know right and you're not thinking about the chat or any like all these other you're things not, yeah. that you had to worry about for months you're so locked in with these people you know right and, you know, the, I mean, the simplicity of performing comedy live came back where like, so, I mean, we just almost talked for about an hour about how you dropped three grand on all this equipment and you have lighting and like all yeah. uh, camera and mics with just those shows, you just showed up with your guitar. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, long, long game, uh, eventually when I do like another hour, I'll incorporate this into a full show. Mm -hmm. And it will, it will have some tech stuff. It'll have some acoustic stuff. And right. I think it's only made, it's only made me have a more dynamic set as we move forward. It's just, I can't travel with all this equipment to a set like that. No. And it doesn't make sense for me to do a 15 minute set and like hook up this thing and then like do all the, you know, I just, you know, when I already know, have the skill set to do it with a guitar. Right. Or you could ask DJ Doug Pound how he does it. Cause I mean, that's not too dissimilar. Well, it's, it's just tough because when you're, when you're the music person or the guy with all the gear, you have to show up like an hour before the show. Oh, yeah. You know? I, know that. I know that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so um, that is truly a big hassle and uh, a big con of, as in pros and cons, uh, right. like it's a con to that part of it, you know. Right. I do see pe people like uh, Doug Pound or Drennan Davis or Reggie, they have like their shit figure where it's like, I mean, they actually sometimes know more than whoever's running tech of like, no, 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 just let me do it. Oh yeah, no, a hundred percent. I mean, I've done colleges where I show up and I'm like, what's the odd? They don't even like have a good system. I said, I'll, I'll take care of it. I'll set it up. Yeah. At this point, I feel like I know it really well. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. 
um i can't wait to see what the future holds for you man i mean if, oh thanks man yeah if you've done this well and, and did you even get to sell that special or you is that something you could start uh, i didn't sell it i just put it on youtube and okay. through posting to tiktok i posted like a one minute clip of it every day yeah uh the the special now has a i think a little over three hundred and forty thousand views there you go that's, and for somebody really who's good, not really a name you know mm -hmm. yeah I think that's really good. And if you look at the comments, they're overwhelmingly positive. So that's great. Yeah. yeah I think, um, I mean, there's if anything, a, it's like a proof of concept. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, there's a good chunk of people that release specials. I mean, like Mark Norman, Joe List, uh, Kendall Yeah. Yeah. But they all released it on YouTube yeah. for free. And I think that really actually worked out for them. Dude, Hannibal Burris is a perfect. Example. He put like all his money behind his own set and he just put it on YouTube himself. Yep. And it's super, I loved it. And he used elements like the auto tune. Yep. You know, he, like, he, he had this shit. Yeah. He, his special was so cool because he did this, he did stand up. He incorporated VFX and sound effects. Yep. And I just thought it was great. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. And most of it was about him getting arrested. Yeah. And if you look at that show, I think he only cuts to the crowd for like, I want to say 5% of it. There's like yeah. no shots of the crowd in that, in that set. Which only is almost not because it's very clear he's in a big theater. Yeah, yeah. Only when he was talking about the lawyer that like represented him or something. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you envision yourself doing that, maybe? Uh, I definitely think my special, my, my next hour, whatever I end up doing is going to be mixed media. Yeah. And not only that, I think if, if I keep growing my live stream, I will live stream it uh, yeah. to all plot. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Because yeah. that, that is not only have people figured it out, but like it's normalized where I think in February, I think you would have to pay me to watch a live stream. Would be my <laughs> well, it's, it's definitely like a hard thing to buy into starting out. And once you understand the culture and right. what they're doing, you realize it's uh, such a different medium, you know? I totally get it though. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's, man, I mean, kudos to you. Uh, having a look, you know, uh, you, you had a different banner year rather than what you thought you were going to have. I know. I thought I was going to go to Edinburgh, kill it there, get tour Europe, right. uh, sell the special finally. Right. Uh, that's what I thought was going to happen because everybody was like, you would actually kill in your in Edinburgh because they really do like musical comedy there. You right. know? Yeah. Um, they're not like cynical about it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, you could have even, I mean, you, I, for people that don't know, I mean, Edinburgh's like not going to get to happen for a while because there's so many people packed into a tiny medieval city, but <laughs> yeah. um, you people like uh, promote on the street because there are thousands of shows literally happening all throughout August. Yeah, and I bet you would have gotten a good draw from you just playing or like talking to people out in the street. Yeah, the, you know, the, I think one of the rules is you're not allowed to perform on the street when you right. promote it. But uh, I was ready to sink a ton of money into promotion for it. I like, I was ready to. I'm like ready to take a loss for it because I knew the the actual um, opportunity of it oh, was okay. so much bigger than right. you know. So. Yeah. But I, I deferred till next year. So right. um, who knows? You know. I'll be back there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure people, I, I think there will be a big wave of excitement when things, when people, when we can safely do like a festival. 
people want to go just i mean just off of drive-in shows man i mean like those things are not cheap and they still yeah. people show up to those i did a i did a weekend at a club in uh escondido it's like almost san diego right. and they were selling tickets for like 50 dollars a head just because mm-hmm. there was less capacity and right. more precautions and it was outdoors and it was full people people paid it because they're, they're they want to be doing something and seeing something yeah yeah no i i figured that would happen and it's happening and people are showing up for it yeah for yeah. sure um well that's gonna be it well for- that's gonna be it for the comedy bureau podcast jay kroger morgan jay uh-huh. we'll play them out if you want me to i can stop the music well wait well, hold on here Hold the I'm playing out. Where can people find you online? Or just do do that with it. Yeah. All right, guys. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure to give us five stars. Leave a review. Uh-huh. Also, if you like me, I'm Morgan J. You can go to my website, MorganJ.com. But most importantly, go to my Twitch, twitch.tv slash MorganJ. We try to put out a new video also on YouTube every Monday. That's it for your boy, Morgan J. <laughs> Everybody find it on the comedy bureau podcast. Jay Kroger, gonna make it last. Wonderful. Awesome, man. Thank you so much. Uh, you can find the Comedy Bureau at thecomedybureau.com, uh, at the Comedy Bureau across socials, me on Instagram at notthesupermarket, and at MFJ Kroger on Twitter. There are a lot of great causes to support this time, but if you have money and generosity, after that, please support the Comedy Bureau. Uh, there will be links in the show notes. Um, you have anything to say as we sign off? You know, just keep on loving each other. Keep on being kind to each other. Cause this year is fucking hard. And make sure to like and subscribe. <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah. The, the, the words of the decade, like and subscribe. Um, as I like to say at the end of every episode, comedy is still happening, as the great Brody Stevens would say. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. That's right. The Comedy Bureau Field Report is recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kroger. Music by Brian Granillo. Artwork by Andrew Delman and KT. And part of the Believe Podcast family. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.